Good morning. Uh, if it's your first time, welcome. My name's Char, and I am one of the pastors here at Refuge. Um, so just two more things. We have uh, Sunday night prayer tonight. It meets at 6 p.m. So uh, if you're wanting to start a new pattern, new rhythm for your life of seeking the Lord with our community, please join us at uh, 6 p.m. here uh, for prayer. Also, <clears throat> we have the Bible a conference happening on uh, Friday, January 17th at 7 p.m. Uh, I would just encourage you, if your heart was touched this morning by what was shared, absolutely go to that event. Be informed about what God is doing uh, through these ladies in this redemption house and this ministry here. Go do that. Please be representatives of refuge and come back and, and bring us into what God is doing and how we can join in that. But uh, if that is not something that God has put on your heart, please join us for our Bible conference. Uh, my professor from Western Seminary, Gary Bashirs, is going to be here. And Friday night, he's going to uh, just teach us about the Bible, just the origins of the Bible. And then on Saturday morning, we're going to have two more sessions. He's going to talk about um, why, why the Bible, why we use the Bible, and then also just how we use the Bible for spiritual formation. So we're partnering with the Parish Church in Petaluma. Uh, it's just going to be a great event and a great way to start out the year. If you have friends who are seekers, interested, skeptical about the Bible, please bring them out. Gary would love to answer all their questions. Um, that's just the, kind of the guy he is at your service. Um, so it's a new year. And, um, yeah, you know, resolutions and all that kind of stuff. Um, how many of you guys made resolutions this year? Anybody have anything random? Like, um, I'm going to floss more. I'm going to, I mean, we, we, right, we all have this. Anybody? Just like something so random. Like, yeah, this is my resolution this year. No, okay. Just the basics, huh? Like, going to exercise, going to diet, going to do all that stuff. Um, well, I've just been thinking about the new year. I'm not really a resolution type of person, um, maybe every now and then, but I'm, I'm more the type of person that throughout the year, I'm constantly like, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to change, and this is how I'm going to reform. I, Martin Luther once said that the whole of the Christian life of, is one of repentance, and what he meant by that is it's that we're constantly turning towards the Lord, right? Like for for people who don't know God, people that don't have, uh, they're not on this spiritual journey becoming more and more like Jesus. Well, you know, once a year, New Year's resolution, that's a thing. But for us as believers, we can just constantly be turning to the Lord and making those resolutions and goals. And so whatever resolution or goal that you've made this year, um, I just want to encourage you that you would think through Jesus' offer here in Matthew 11. Um, I have to be honest, as I was studying for this Sunday, I, I just detest doing one-off sermons. Um, it's so difficult. Like, uh, you know, you're like, okay, this is what I want to talk about, and then you search your Bible to find the text that supports it. It's just like you feel like you're cheating. It's the worst, you know? And I was really, really wrestling this week. Like, Lord, I've got a few things on my heart. I don't know what you want to say. But as I was studying and reading, reading the scripture, I just came across this offer. Just, I was just reminded again of Jesus' offer. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. You know, this last year we've been talking about just our frantic culture and just the busyness that all of us get trapped in. We've been talking about how uh, there's just constantly new information to take in, things to process. There's this constant offer of the good life. If you just buy this product, if you just do this thing, if you just go on this vacation, you will have rest for your souls. Is essentially what these things are offering. If you just get enough wisdom, enough experience, this is what you'll have. And gosh, man... I can say for myself, all that has brought in my life is just fatigue. Fatigue. And I know that uh, probably for most of us, when the fires happened for the second time in two years this October, I was just over it. Like anybody else looking at real estate and other places, just like, no, like, just rest. I just want rest. And this is something that we've been talking about so much this last year is how do we find rest for our souls? How do we really enter into what Jesus offers us? And I have to say this, to some degree, we have to unplug from the narrative of our culture and from what everyone else is doing, and we have to tune in, plug into what Jesus is, not just what he's saying, but what he's doing. What he's doing. What I mean by that is we're not just plugging into like, okay, Jesus's words, and then I take that and I go figure that out for myself. It's Jesus's words then that are manifested through his way of life, Jesus's rhythm. And so I I would challenge you that before you make any goal resolution, that you would take time this week to think over Jesus's offer for rest for your soul. That this year, 2020, your highest goal, your aim, would be to learn from Jesus in order to become like him. Remember this last year in our series, The Character of Christ, we learned that the yoke of a rabbi, and this is what Jesus is talking about here, right? Take my yoke upon you. The yoke of a rabbi was the rabbi's way of life. It was his teachings. It was a metaphor for becoming his apprentice or disciple. It was a call to be with your teacher. It was a call to take upon the rhythms, habits, and way of life in order to become like your teacher and ultimately to do what your teacher did, to take that story Forward to write the next chapters. And in this passage, Jesus is promising us that if we yoke up with him, if we become his apprentices and his disciples, we will find rest for our souls. We will find a rest like no other, a rest that only he can give. And so for this year, it's very simple. I want to challenge us in three ways. For this upcoming year. And these are the three. Number one, that we would be a church full of individuals that seek the face of God in prayer and worship. That we would prioritize being with Jesus. 
that that would become the sole aim of our lives, to be with Jesus. That we could say, like the hymn says, he walks with me and talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. That we would cultivate an intimacy, a a friendship with Jesus. That he wouldn't just be an idea or an ideal but he would be, as he is, the living Christ, the risen one who dwells in our hearts, who, as the promise of Hebrews says, will never leave us, will never forsake us. Secondly, that we would be a spirit-filled formational community. A spirit-filled formational community. And what I mean by that is that we would be a church and the reason that we come together is to practice the way of Jesus. That we see our gatherings, whether they are informal or formal, as training. It's the gymnasium. It's ways that we are challenging and encouraging one another to walk the path of Jesus, to follow in his footsteps. And so we would be a community that is becoming like Jesus. And thirdly, and I love what was shared this morning, that we would be a people on mission. And what does that mean? That we are alerting people to the universal reign of God in Jesus Christ. That when people come into contact with us, they have had a taste of the kingdom of God. The healing, restorative, loving, forgiving, and giving nature of God. And that these would just be the three things that we just make a habit of our lives. Seeking the presence of God, practicing the way of Jesus, and alerting people to the universal reign of God. So I just kind of want to elaborate on these three, and then we'll close our time just in worship and communion together. So this year, make it your priority to seek the presence, to seek the face of God. Uh, Again, this last year we talked many times of the absolute necessity for a disciple to spend time with their teacher. Isn't it interesting that we've created a version of Christianity where you can just have this like casual acquaintance with Jesus and still be considered a Christian? When you read the New Testament, this is an absurd idea. Uh, I shared this last year, but the, the, the word Christian is used three times in the Bible. And the word disciple is used some like 260 times in the New Testament. 260 times. And the the language of disciple is one that is with their teacher. They have an intimate relationship. It's life on life. It's not in form or, you know, it's not at a distance. It's not a casual acquaintance. And the only way that we can get that discipleship to Jesus is by being with Jesus. You know, I I know, ladies, that you finished John Tyson's book recently, The Burden is Light, uh, in your women's fellowship. And what what a great thing to think through this passage in Matthew 11, to think about Jesus' offer, to think about what it means to be a disciple. But you know what most of us are guilty of, and I myself, but I think the church at large is just guilty of this, We are guilty of 
hearing things, of learning things without actually applying them to our lives, without actually entering in. So we can spend six weeks learning about the yoke of Jesus. We can spend six weeks learning about how his burden is light, and then we're like, okay, next, what's next, what's next? Rather than like, wow, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this pearl of great price. I'm going to take this, you know, invaluable knowledge, and I'm going to apply it to my life. I'm going to live this out. And so I challenge you that this year, you would take what we learned in this last year about being a disciple, and that this would be a year of intentional discipleship to Jesus. This would be a year of prioritizing, prioritizing presence with God. Being a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. And so what will that take? That takes sitting down and making intentional, like an intentional practice, writing out in your schedule, I will spend this amount of time with Jesus. Now, some of us, I think it was shared this morning by one of you, it's daily. Like, first thing in the morning, I meet with Jesus. I have my alone time, my quiet time. I do Lectio Divina. I do whatever, right? Some way in which you're connecting with the Lord. I spend the first part of my morning in prayer. Whatever that is for you, however you cultivate the presence of God, I challenge you to make it a habitual practice. Make a rhythm of that. For some of you, it's just once a week. You're going to spend just, you're going to carve out a time where you cultivate the presence of Jesus as you would with a dear friend or spouse. And as you cultivate that to grow in in being able to discern the voice of the Lord. To discern, God, what are you doing in my life? God, what is it that you want to do in my life? Who, Lord, who am I being by the things that I'm prioritizing and by the habits that I've formed? Who am I becoming? That you're asking these deep questions, bringing these before the Lord in order to be reshaped and reformed in your desires. Growing closer to Jesus only comes with deliberate time that's set apart, right? And through that, we learn intimacy with him. Like I said, we learn to hear and discern how God is moving us and how he's working, what, how God wants to speak through the different situations that are going on in our life and what he wants to teach us through these things. Through this, we learn to conform our lives to the will of God. And so I, I just encourage you to make this a priority this year. I know for me, this last year, the things that we experience, my wife and I, the things that we experience as a community, if I did not prioritize this time in the presence of the Lord in silence and solitude, I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I would have made it, honestly. I, I think I would have like shipwrecked in some way, shape, or form. I just remember sitting in, in meetings and having just certain things happen most of you guys know we lost a dear friend, many of us, Christina DePola. And if it wasn't for just sitting in the presence of the Lord and just being able to cast my cares upon the Lord and to take upon myself his yoke, his burden, I don't think I would have made it. And I, honestly, I don't know how any of us survives this life and all of its trials and troubles without cultivating the presence of the Lord. 
I'm becoming convinced more and more, I've been thinking about this for the last couple weeks, I'm becoming convinced more and more that the Christian life can be summed up in Deuteronomy 8. It's a passage where Moses is, is reminding the children of Israel of everything that they've been through. It's like, you know, for 40 years we've been wandering in the wilderness. There have been snakes and scorpions and scarcity of water and scarcity of bread. And all of these things have happened. And you know what Moses says? He says, and God did this. God did this. He led us through this wilderness. He brought us into scarcity. He allowed troubles to happen. He says, in order that you might know that we do not live on bread alone, but we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Sometimes, you know, we, we think about the things that are happening to us as they're accidental, they're haphazard, they aren't supposed to be happening to us, but not so with the Christian. We have a shepherd, Psalm 23 tells us, who leads us. He leads us by still waters, yes, but he also leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. And he does this in order that we would have hope and nothing else but him that we would learn to trust in him solely, that we would learn, as the psalmist says, Lord, my hope is in you. I look to the mountains, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I am being convinced more and more that life is just one trial after another to alert me to the presence of God, to get me to fix my eyes upon him, to get me to cultivate the presence And if we do that, if we do that, does it really matter where we're going? Does it really matter what the end is or what the goal is if we have the Lord, if we have his face, if we have his presence? Have you ever thought about, I'm talking about Moses again, have you ever thought about how Moses kind of gets like the cheap end of the deal? He's like the most faithful servant of God ever. Nobody's ever been like Moses before. He talks to God face to face. And yet, like, it comes to the point where they're going to enter the promised land. And God's like, oh, sorry, no, not you. You don't get to go in because there was that one incident where you got mad at the people. And so you don't get to enter into the promised land, which is just like, God is jacked up. Like, this is, this is the most, like, messed up deal ever. Moses is faithful for all these years in one incident Yet, yet, what did Moses get? There has never been a prophet like Moses in all of Israel who talked to God face to face as a man talks to his friend. Moses had the presence of God for 40 years daily to be in God's presence. I don't think Moses felt like he was getting the short end of the stick. And I challenge you, Mike talked about this in our study right before Christmas. Many of us are waiting for something. Many of us are hoping that 2020 will unfold maybe, you know, a light to our path, a direction for where we're going. But ultimately what we're waiting for, ultimately what we're looking for, the desire behind the desire is God, his presence, his life. And we already have that. Will we prioritize that? Will we make it our aim and our goal to sit down and rest in the presence of the Lord this year? I hope that we will. I hope that we will. Now, I mentioned this earlier in the year, but if 
you're just kind of like, yeah, that, Char, that sounds amazing. I want that. How do I do that? Where do I start? What does that look like? Um, there's a, a, just a list of books that I would recommend, but also it, it's about scripture, which I'll talk about in just a minute. But Peter Schizero, he wrote the book uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, he has a book called The Daily Office that is just excellent for helping you. I, I'm the kind of person, I just need a program. I need a guide, right? I don't know if any of you guys are like that, but I just need a teacher that's just like, do this, sit down, shut up, read this, think about it, get up, walk away. Great. That's, I can do that, right? Just guide me. Guide me. So Pete Scazzaro, his daily office is excellent. It's 40 days of just taking time to be silent before the Lord and meditate on truths from God's word. Another uh, great guide is Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun. Another one, uh, tried and true, is the Common Book of Prayer. Um, And then I would highly recommend these other two, How to Unhurry by John Mark Comer. It's a companion to his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, That's an excellent guide for just cultivating the presence of God and also a book called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. Um, And the reason I recommend a guide is because this is kind of foreign to evangelicalism. Uh, to actually practice silence and solitude. Uh, we're all about learning. We're all about talking, you know, and just like moving forward. And rarely in our tradition do we just sh- stop and shut up and actually cultivate what we already have. So I highly recommend these guides. The point is, though, make it your aim, your pursuit, your practice to seek the face of God this year, to cultivate his presence. Um, and then I would also encourage. We just spent a whole year reading through the Bible and teaching through the Bible. Now what? You're done. Don't ever read the Bible again. No, that's not the answer, right? Stay in the story. Stay in the story. Uh, Make it your plan to continue to take in the story of God in order to make it your own story. That's the point. God has not given us a rule book. He has given us a story, his story, so that we can join him in his story of redemption. We can participate in the life of God. So do that. Take in scripture. Learn the story of God, how it has been accomplished in Jesus in order to make it your own story. And so I encourage you, along with that quiet time, make a plan that you will be a student of God's word this year. I was just talking to Jackie Sundahl right beforehand, and we were just talking about last year and how helpful that was and the plan for this year and how she's going to pursue the Lord in Scripture. So if you want to do the Read Scripture app again, do that. Maybe grab a few other people that want to do it and do it together. Hold one another accountable. Read through the epistles. Read through and study the Gospels. Be a great practice for this year. Or you can do this. We're going to be teaching through the Gospel of Mark starting on January 19th. Read and study along with us. You know, take what we're going to teach here on Sunday morning, read it and learn it yourself. Come and hear it taught and then go and apply it to your life. That would be a great practice for being in God's word. Or you can join us for men's and women's fellowship. You can meet up throughout the week to discuss the sermon or your weekly readings. But the point is, whatever you do, Christian, stay in the story. It's absolutely essential because, again, there are so many competing narratives going on in our world. And this idea that we're going to stay close to God, that we're going to have an intimate relationship with God, that we're going to grow in spirituality, 
Unless we stay in the word, it's not going to happen. Remember, like Paul says, you are being conformed to the image of this world unless you are being transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's what's happening just naturally to all of us. We're being conformed. We're being told. We're being led. And so we need that counterformation that comes from God's word and God's spirit. So prioritize the presence of God, the word of God this year. And then I would also challenge us that we would be continue to be a spirit-filled community practicing the way of Jesus. You know, we're not a club. We're not people who all look the same. We're not people who just prefer Apple to Microsoft products, though we are, uh, or third-way coffee, you know, to Starbucks, though we are, right, mostly. Um, Also, church is not an event where we spectate. We are called to be the spirit-filled formational community of God. We do a really good job of doing life together. But I would challenge us that we would be intentional in those relationships. That it wouldn't just be meals that we're sharing, burdens that we're sharing in terms of, you know, just um, the kids were crazy this week. Can you babysit? Can you help me with that? You know, and that's great that we are bearing one another's burdens and practical needs, but that we would bear one another's spiritual burdens. That we would see ourselves as being responsible for the spiritual well-being and healthiness of one another and that we would come along one another in order to see that we are following and practicing the way of Jesus not as like moral policemen but like was shared this morning because the life in God and following Jesus it's the life it's the way it's the truth This is what God has created us for. This is like C.S. Lewis says, this is how life works best. God is the fuel that our lives were meant to run on. Or as Augustine says, our souls are restless until they rest in the Lord. And so let's exhort and encourage, let's come alongside one another, that we would be those who are practicing the way of Jesus together that we would be coming together not just to be together, but to train, as I said earlier, determining to love one another the way Jesus has loved us, to serve and prefer one another over ourselves. It's about seeing our gifts, our money, our resources as things that God has given us to encourage and help and to benefit others, that that's how we would see ourselves, a community of mutual upbuilding. Remember in our our last series of the year, we talked about discovering and practicing our spiritual gifts in order to serve one another. I, I often, you know, have like visions, not actual visions like trance or anything like that, but like, you know, I'm just sitting and I'm studying and I'm thinking about what God's doing in our midst and, and what I believe God wants to do. And I believe that what God wants to do is he wants to Reveal to each of us what our spiritual gifting is so that we would operate in that. So that when we gather together, we're, we're using that to build one another up. I mean, can you imagine that? If, you know, like Paul says to the Corinthians, he's like, what's going on? Every time you guys come together, there's a vision, there's a word, there's this, there's that. He's like, look, let everything be done decently and in order. The modern church, it's like, Paul would never write that to the modern church. He's like, oh, I see that when you gather, one person talks the whole time and everybody else just listens. What's going on there, right? So, Paul, like, we should be challenged to 
When we come together, God, how do you want to use me? I'm here to encourage others. I'm here to build one and someone else up. I'm not just here for myself. And so that when we come together, we're listening for ways that we can affirm one another. We're listening for ways that we can remind one another of God's provision. We're listening for ways that we can remind one another of the, of the most consistent command in all of the Bible. Do not fear. Do not fear. Think about how many of our trials and troubles are just exacerbated because of fear. And so that when we come together, we remind one another, do not fear. We have a shepherd. We have a king who is victorious. He is one and he will make all things new. Not only that, but he is with us in this. He will give guidance. He will give perspective. He will bring an outcome to this. We need that. And God has brought us together in order that we would do that for one another. Bring that encouragement and bring that perspective. And so, again, I exhort you, I encourage you, that as you are facilitating this presence of the Lord, getting in his word, that as we come together, it would be to share what God is doing, be to listen and to apply what God is doing. Not that we're professionals, not that we have the answers, but that we do bring God's truth to bear upon our situations, that we do bring God's promises. We do bring the hope of Scripture and the love of God to bear upon the trials and troubles that we're going through. And also that we would be a community that is just simply celebrating the victories and the blessings and the goodness that God is bringing to bear upon our lives. So let's be a continue to be a community that practices the way of Jesus together and helps one another discern what is the perfect will of God. To challenge one another to do what Jesus would do if he were me. What Jesus would do if he were me in my job, with my friends, with my relationships, with my time, with my money and resources. And lastly, let's continue to be a church who understands that our mission, our purpose is to alert both those who are near to God and those who are far from God of the universal reign of God in Jesus Christ. God is seated on the throne. The cross was the victory, the resurrection, the defeat of evil by goodness. And there's that promise in Revelation, behold, I make all things new. Man, what would it be like, church, if when we went to work tomorrow morning and throughout the week that we just saw it as our mission? I want to alert people to the presence of God. That God is here. I love what was shared this morning. There are so many out there who are under the weight and burden of evil and destruction and sin. What would it be like to alert them there is a God in heaven who is at war with the evil that is in your life? He is determined. He wants to deliver you and set you free. He is a redeemer. He is a savior. He is the great victorious king. There are people, as we'll share this morning, right underneath our noses 
who are in slavery. And we have the glorious message of the good news that God is our victorious king. Let's be a people that alert people to that. God is king. He's making all things new through Jesus Christ. The best is yet to come. God will triumph. He will bring all evil to justice. And not that we're just saying that with our lips, but that our lives demonstrate that. That we are a people that go around bringing peace to situations that are chaotic and broken. Or people that go around and bring healing and restoration. That we bring love where there is hate. We bring forgiveness. to deception and to wrongdoing. What would it look like this year if we made it our aim to do that, to just alert people to the presence of God, to God's reign in Jesus Christ? And not that this is a task, but it just becomes a habit. It just becomes a part of of who we are because it's what we believe. It's what we have invested in. It's what we are pursuing is the kingdom of God. And so it just, in, in some sense, just spills over from our lives. God's kingdom reign. God's kingdom love. God's grace. It's just naturally flowing from us. I uh, just finished this book um, that a friend recommended to me by a guy named Michael Frost. Um, And it's called Five Habits of Highly Missional People. And I have noticed that just in my own preaching and just my own planning for our church, many times it's like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And again, plans are really nice. Like just some structure is is just really helpful sometimes. You know, just like, hey, go make the kingdom of God known. It's like, Okay, yeah, how do I do that? You know, like, what does that look like? What if you determine that once a week you will bless two people in, in some way, shape, or form? Maybe that's calling somebody up, just affirming them, encouraging them. Make it your aim that one of those people is someone who is far from God, someone who's not a Christian but you're just going to speak into their life. You're going to encourage them. You're going to bless them. You're going to do some thing in some way, shape, or form to just come alongside them and encourage them. What if you just did that? Once a week, two people, a believer in our church and somebody who is outside of the faith. I'm going to do that. What if twice a week, you eat 21 meals in a week, generally, unless you know, you're one of those weird workout people that eats like six meals a day. Weirdos. Just kidding. Um, what if you just determine two people? I'm going to eat a meal with two people this week. Maybe I'll invite just somebody into my home. And one of those is a believer. One of those is a non-believer. So we're cultivating community. We're hearing one another's story. We're checking in with one another. We're just spending that quality time with one another. And then also we are doing what Jesus did. We are eating and drinking with people that are far from God. 
was recently, I, I, I had a conversation. I was at my brother's wedding uh, back in November. And uh, we were just talking about life. And he was asking me about, like, what's it like being a Christian in Northern California? He's a Christian in Southern California. Anybody, like, spent time in Southern California? It's like the Bible Belt of the West Coast, or especially Orange County. Um, and, like, they still have not experienced what most of the West and East Coast have experienced, which is just, like, radical secularism. And so I'm having this fascinating conversation with this guy, and he's, he's a professor at, you know, a college down there, but he's like, man, like, yeah, it's so easy here, and everybody's a Christian. And it's true. Like, you go to a coffee shop, and, like, there's, like, two Bibles for every cup of coffee at these coffee shops. It's insane. Like, like where are we? We're in Georgia. You know, we're or somewhere. You know, like, it's ridiculous. So I'm having this conversation with this guy, and, and he was asking me, like, what it's like being a Christian in Sonoma County, or, you know, and we were rated, I think, the fifth most secular region in all of the U.S. And I said, well, remember what it was like for the homosexual community back in the 90s? How so many people were like, are these people human? Oh, they're just these, like, wicked people, and look at all the things that they're doing. To-. It's like, that's what it's like being a Christian in Sonoma County. It's like, oh, these evil people that are trying to ruin the world with their morality and it's like yeah you know what happened is that you know you meet somebody like from the gay community back then you're like oh you're a human oh and you like actually have like hobbies and you're a really nice person and yeah you're not evil like you're just making your way in the world like what in the world like why did I think that it's like that's what it's like being a Christian in Sonoma County people meet me and they're like oh my gosh I thought that you were out to destroy our culture and our way of life and all this kind of stuff and It's so fascinating when you sit down and eat a meal with people who are far from God because you know what they think? They think that we are religious Pharisees who are out to ruin their fun, who are out to ruin the world with our morality rather than people who are wanting to bring the God who is life, the God who is joy, the God who is peace, to bear upon their lives. And I have had so many encounters where people, and, I'm, and this is nothing to do with me in, in that sense of like tuning my own horn, but just people have interacted and heard about the gospel and watched my life and been shocked, shocked by what we believe. But that has happened over a meal. That has happened over a cup of coffee. That has happened as we have take time to eat and drink with those who are far from God. So I challenge you, church. How many people are there at your work who don't know God? Who have the wrong ideas about Jesus? Who have the wrong ideas about what it is that the church is really about? About what the gospel is really about? Eat and drink with those people. Make it a priority this year. You're going to reach out once a week and you're going to bring someone who is far from God to your table, whether that's at a restaurant, that's a cup of coffee. You're going to sit down and you're going to hear their story and you're going to share your story. Three more things and we're done. Determine this year that you will spend, like I said in the beginning, at least one period of your week listening and cultivating the voice of God's Spirit. At least one time a week that you carve out I'm just going to be with the Lord. I'm going to get into his word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to ask God what he wants to do in my life. What he wants to do with the time, the money, the resources, the gifts that he's given me. 
determine that you will spend one period of the week learning the way of Jesus. I've been saying this for, I think, years now. But I think that every Christian, I don't think we should ever leave the Gospels. Read the rest of the Bible? Absolutely. Like, am I like a red-letter-only type Christian? No, not at all. But man, shouldn't we just constantly be taking in the life of Jesus? I love it about the early church that it says that they were committed to, devoted to the apostles' doctrine. Do you know what the apostles' doctrine was? It was the story of Jesus. And so it says every time that the early church gathered together, the church, in some sense, would say, Peter, tell us again how he opened his eyes. Tell us again how he triumphed over evil and sin. Tell us again how gracious he was with the woman with the flow of blood. Tell us again the way Jesus corrected you so graciously. Tell us again and again. Tell us the story of Jesus. Let's determine this year to be a people who continually take in the story of our King, the story of our Savior. And last thing, that we would journal these things, that we would keep a record of all the ways that God has worked, the ways that he has moved, the ways that he has answered our prayers, the way that he has moved in the lives of others, the things that we have discovered about Jesus as we have taken time, set time aside to seek his face, to learn his rhythms and his habits. I'll close with this quote from Dallas Willard. It's one of my favorites. He says, The greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who, by profession or culture, are identified as Christians will become disciples. Students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. That's the challenge for the year. Will we become apprentices and disciples of Jesus? Will we follow his way? Will we take him in? Will we do what Jesus did, making the kingdom of the heavens known in every nook and cranny that the Lord has put into our sphere? I pray that we will, and I believe that God will do great things as we do what he has redeemed us to do, become like Jesus, be with Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Lord, Lord, there are so many different personalities, perspectives, experience, gifts, callings in this room. And yet, Lord, at the same time, Lord, you call all of us to this one aim, this one goal, to be your disciples. And I pray, Lord, that individually we would seek that out. We would seek to know and understand and apply, Lord, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus for ourselves. I pray, Lord, that we would be a community that collectively we seek that out. 
together, Lord, to be formed into the image of Jesus, to help one another discover what the will of God is, to help one another discover what our giftings are, what our calling is, what is the perspective that you have given us, Lord, to bring to bear upon your church. And Lord, that we would also be those, Lord, that take this life of Jesus into our sphere of influence, into our vocation, in order to make your kingdom reign known. God, we pray, Lord, that this would be a year, Lord, of fruitfulness for your kingdom. Lord, where healing and restoration would be brought to the residents of Santa Rosa and Sonoma County. Lord, where joy would replace fear, where hope would replace despair, Lord, we pray that your will would be done here in Santa Rosa as it is in heaven in this coming year. And we commit ourselves to that. And Lord, now as we turn our hearts to you, Lord, to worship you, to give you the praise and the honor and the adoration that's due to your name, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us concerning these words and concerning these exhortations would you stir up our hearts and our minds Lord would you give us words of wisdom and knowledge and direction in this congregation this morning speak through us to one another Lord as we minister to you